Today is November 8th. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I'm Brian. It is wonderful to uh, be here with you today around the global campfire. This place that we can come in out of the cold and dark and warm ourselves and illuminate our paths and be together in community. I brought my coffee along, like I do every day. It's right here to the left. And of course, I brought my microphone and you wouldn't be hearing me. And let's dive into what the scriptures have for us today. We're reading from the Good News Translation this week. Today, Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 1 through 19, verse 14. The Lord spoke to me and said, What is this proverb people keep repeating in the land of Israel? The parents ate the sour grapes, but the children got the sour taste. As surely as I am the living God, says the Sovereign Lord, you will not repeat this proverb in Israel anymore. The life of every person belongs to me. The life of the parents, as well as that of the child, the person who sins is the one who will die. Suppose there is a truly good man, righteous and honest. He doesn't worship the idols of the Israelites or eat the sacrifices offered at forbidden shrines. He doesn't seduce another man's wife or have intercourse with a woman during her period. He doesn't cheat or rob anyone. He returns what a borrower gives him as security. He feeds the hungry and gives clothing to the naked. He doesn't lend money for profit. He refuses to do evil and gives an honest decision in any dispute. Such a man obeys my commands and carefully keeps my laws. He is righteous and he will live, says the Sovereign Lord. Then suppose this man has a son who robs and kills who does any of these things that the father never did. He eats sacrifices offered at forbidden shrines and seduces other men's wives. He cheats the poor. He robs. He keeps what a borrower gives him as security. He goes to pagan shrines, worships disgusting idols, and lends money for profit. Will he live? No, he will not. He has done all these disgusting things, and so he will die. He will be to blame for his own death. Now, suppose this second man has a son. He sees all the sins his father practiced, but does not follow his example. He doesn't worship the idols of the Israelites or eat the sacrifices offered at forbidden shrines. He doesn't seduce another man's wife or oppress anyone or rob anyone. He returns what a borrower gives him as security. He feeds the hungry and gives clothing to the naked. He refuses to do evil and doesn't lend money for profit. He keeps my laws and obeys my commands. He will not die because of his father's sins, but he will certainly live. His father, on the other hand, cheated and robbed and always did evil to everyone. And so he died because of the sins he himself had committed. But you ask, why shouldn't the son suffer because of his father's sins? 
The answer is that the son did what was right and good. He kept my laws and followed them carefully, and so he will certainly live. It is the one who sins who will die. A son is not to suffer because of his father's sins, nor a father because of the sins of his son. Good people will be rewarded for doing good, and evil people will suffer for the evil they do. If someone evil stops sinning and keeps my laws, if he does what is right and good, he will not die, he will certainly live, and all his sins will be forgiven, and he will live because he did what is right. Do you think I enjoy seeing evil people die? Asks the Sovereign Lord. No, I would rather see them repent and live. But if a righteous person stops doing good and starts doing all the evil, disgusting things that evil people do, will he go on living? No. None of the good he did will be remembered. He will die because of his unfaithfulness and his sins. But you say, what the Lord does isn't right. Listen to me, you Israelites. Do you think my way of doing things isn't right? It is your way that isn't right. When a righteous person stops doing good and starts doing evil and then dies, he dies because of the evil he has done. When someone evil stops sinning and does what is right and good, he saves his life. He realizes what he is doing and stops sinning. So he will certainly not die, but go on living. And you Israelites say, what the Lord does isn't right. You think my way isn't right, do you? It is your way that isn't right. Now I, the Sovereign Lord, am telling you, Israelites, that I will judge each of you by what you have done. Turn away from all the evil you are doing, and don't let your sin destroy you. Give up all the evil you have been doing, and get yourselves new minds and hearts. Why do you Israelites want to die? I do not want anyone to die, says the Sovereign Lord. Turn away from your sins and live. The Lord told me to sing this song of sorrow for two princes of Israel. What a lioness your mother was. She raised her cubs among the fierce male lions. She raised a cub and taught him to hunt. He learned to eat people. The nations heard about him and trapped him in a pit. With hooks, they dragged him off to Egypt. She waited until she saw all hope was gone. Then she raised another of her cubs, and he grew into a fierce lion. When he was full grown, he prowled with the other lions. He too learned to hunt and eat people. 
He wrecked forts. He ruined towns. The people of the land were terrified every time he roared. The nations gathered to fight him. People came from everywhere. They spread their hunting nets and caught him in their trap. They put him in a cage and took him to the king of Babylonia. They kept him under guard so that his roar would never be heard again on the hills of Israel. Your mother was like a grapevine planted near a stream. Because there was plenty of water, the vine was covered with leaves and fruit. Its branches were strong and grew to be royal scepters. The vine grew tall enough to reach the clouds. Everyone saw how leafy and tall it was. But angry hands pulled it up by the roots and threw it to the ground. The east wind dried up its fruit. Its branches were broken off. They dried up and were burned. Now it is planted in the desert in a dry and waterless land. The stem of the vine caught fire. Fire burned up its branches and fruit. The branches will never again be strong, will never be royal scepters. This is a song of sorrow. It has been sung again and again. Hebrews 9, 1-10 The first covenant had rules for worship and a place made for worship as well. A tent was put up, the outer one, which was called the holy place. In it were the lampstand and the table with the bread offered to God. Behind the second curtain was the tent called the most holy place. In it were the gold altar for the burning of incense and the covenant box, all covered with gold and containing the gold jar with the manna in it, Aaron's stick that had sprouted leaves, and the two stone tablets with the commandments written on them. Above the box were the winged creatures representing God's presence, with their wings spread over the place where sins were forgiven. But now is not the time to explain everything in detail. This is how those things have been arranged. The priests go into the outer tent every day to perform their duties. But only the high priest goes into the inner tent. And he does so only once a year. He takes with him blood, which he offers to God on behalf of himself and for the sins which the people have committed without knowing they were sinning. The Holy Spirit clearly teaches from all these arrangements that the way into the most holy place has not yet been opened as long as the outer tent still stands. This is a symbol which points to the present time. It means that the offerings and animal sacrifices presented to God cannot make the worshiper's heart perfect, since they have to do only with food, drink, and various purification ceremonies. These are all outward rules, which apply only until the time when God will establish the new order. Psalm 
106, 32 through 48. At the springs of Meribah, the people made the Lord angry, and Moses was in trouble on their account. They made him so bitter that he spoke without stopping to think. They did not kill the heathen as the Lord had commanded them to do, but they intermarried with them and adopted their pagan ways. God's people worshipped idols, and this caused their destruction. They offered their own sons and daughters as sacrifices to the idols of Canaan. They killed those innocent children, and the land was defiled by those murders. They made themselves impure by their actions and were unfaithful to God. So the Lord was angry with his people. He was disgusted with them. He abandoned them to the power of the heathen, and their enemies ruled over them. They were oppressed by their enemies and were in complete subjection to them. Many times the Lord rescued his people, but they chose to rebel against him and sank deeper into sin. Yet the Lord heard them when they cried out, and he took notice of their distress. For their sake he remembered his covenant, and because of his great love he relented. He made all their oppressors feel sorry for them. Save us, O Lord our God, and bring us back from among the nations, so that we may be thankful and praise your holy name. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Praise him now and forever. Let everyone say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 27.10 Do not forget your friends or your father's friends. If you are in trouble, don't ask a relative for help. A nearby neighbor can help you more than relatives who are far away. Okay, in the book of Ezekiel, we have an important distinction or clarification that further reveals God's heart through this prophetic book. But let's quickly work our way toward that. I've mentioned this before in other books of prophecy. You know, there's a lot of discussion about what's going to happen, and what's going to happen isn't good. And God is speaking very directly. So, it's easy for us, you know, page after page, day after day of impending judgment to begin to shift our our hearts toward God as angry, vengeful, and not without much grace or mercy, which is where this widespread angry God idea comes from. But in all these prophecies, the whole thing turns and God reveals why He feels so strongly about what he's saying. And it becomes very clear that this isn't just about him waking up on the wrong side of the bed and being angry at people on earth and smiting them. He carefully reveals their culpability, which 
usually boils back to a covenantal relationship that has been broken. And within a covenantal relationship are terms and they're spelled out. So if you enter into the covenant or contract of marriage or any other business contract or any kind of agreement, there's going to be terms. They're the terms that you're agreeing to. So that it's spelled out very plainly what will happen if that happens. So that nobody's confused. And that's a lot of what we see. But what we see is that God sends a prophetic voice of warning way in advance. So like we read the book of Jeremiah uh, just recently, and that, that covered the scope of decades of warnings and patience and trying to rectify the situation and pleading and inviting back and all of this. And we have to pay attention to that as we move through these prophecies because not only are they warnings beforehand, they are also promises after the fact. So like, you're breaking the covenant. If you continue to break the covenant, then this is what's going to happen. This is what you are leading yourself into. But if you're going to go ahead and continue that and destroy yourself, then even after the fact, I'm not going to forget you. And there will come a day when all will be restored again. And we need to remember this and see this as we move through these books of prophecy. But in today's reading in the book of Ezekiel, God is highlighting personal culpability and responsibility, which is an important clarification because this society is largely made up of tribes, clans, and families, and each family has a family leader, and it's an extended family, what we would think of as an extended family, not just like a um, man and his wife and their kids. It's usually a multi-generational thing, and they all work together for the common good of the family. So decisions are made and everyone falls in line and they, uh, they work together as one. So this is where things like uh, arranged, you know, the arrangement for a marriage or a bride price being paid, all this kind of comes from that. So like if a woman is going to marry a man, she's going to join his family and become a part of that family. And so the family that she's leaving, her birth family, might be compensated for the loss of her presence and her, her work in the family. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, but just an example to say, like, here's kind of what we're talking about, which leads us closer to this clarification, this distinction. So the general way that uh, these prophecies would have been read would have been family-centric. So, uh, for example, family leader A leads his family into Baal worship. The family follows along and begins to worship Baal because their leader made these decisions. And so everybody worships Baal and they're culpable before God for idol worship. And they're all held responsible because of this family leader. So they all face the same judgment. Kind of like we saw in the book of Jeremiah with the story of Achan, who did not obey God in the battle of Jericho and made his entire family guilty. Today, God clarifies personal responsibility. 
So he says, why do you quote the proverb concerning the land of Israel that the parents have eaten the sour grapes, but their children's mouth pucker at the taste? Which is just alluding to what we just talked about. So in terms of what, uh, what God is saying to the people through Ezekiel, he responds, as surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you will not quote this proverb anymore in Israel for all people are mine to judge, both parents and children alike, and this is my rule. The person who sins is the one who will die. And then there are a number of examples of this, clarifying that each individual person is personally responsible for the covenantal relationship with God and each person will reap what they sow. Which leads us to God revealing his heart about all this. Do you think, God said, that I like to see wicked people die? Says the Sovereign Lord. Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. And there it is. There's God's posture of heart toward the people that he's speaking to and he goes on to say repent turn from your sins don't let them destroy you put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit why should you die O people of Israel I don't want you to die says the sovereign Lord turn back and live. And of course, you know, we've all heard the word repent. Repentance is to change, to change what's going on inside you, to change the way you're looking at things, to go a different way. So God is saying, look, each of you have this choice and this choice affects your destiny. And I'm telling you flat out, I want you to live and prosper. It's all I've ever wanted for you. But this is a covenant and there are terms. And if you want the benefits of the covenant, the benefits of me being your God, then you'll have to obey the covenant. I'm obeying it. I expect you to be faithful and loyal to it as well. But the choice is yours. And that, my friends, echoes its way across history and plops itself squarely in our own laps. You can't blame God for what you have done. But you can repent and come running home. And the choice is yours. And so, Father, we allow that to sit in our laps. We sit with that. We invite your Holy Spirit to reveal the ways that we're breaking the covenant, that we're being unfaithful to you. You use the word adultery and adulterer many times in these pro uh, prophecies in order to explain what it feels like for you and what's really happening. And so we don't want any part of that. It's leading nowhere but destruction. Come Holy Spirit and show us the places 
that we've compromised ourselves, that we're, that we're stepping out on you, that we're cheating on you, and then blaming you for the repercussions of it. We're sorry. We're sorry that we've done this. We're sorry that we do this. We invite your Holy Spirit to correct us in this. We choose another way. We repent. We turn around and face you and come running back. Come Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. DailyAudioBible.com is the website. It's home-based. It's where you find out what's going on around here. If you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, you can do that at DailyAudioBible.com. There's a link. It's on the homepage. Thank you for your partnership. If you prefer, the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee. 37174 and of course as always if you have a prayer request or comment 877-942-4253 is the number to dial and that's it for today I'm Brian I love you and I'll be waiting for you here tomorrow hey Brian it's Brian from Huber Heights. It's uh, Sparky in Texas. I uh, wanted to let you know I heard your call and uh, your son Mitchell um, and yourself are going through some changes in life. And uh, I wanted to reach out. It's, it's ironic. Um, I'm really tired today. I didn't sleep well last night. And uh, that's what this app does. It wakes us up and helps us see other, other people rather than ourself. And I wanted to, uh, I want to pray for you and your son. Um, as you know, uh, well, you might not. Uh, I, I had substance problems and jail problems throughout my life. And also in your situation of divorce, I've been divorced also. So uh, let's, let's just go to God real quick. Father God, I ask that you be with Brian and his son Mitchell, who's getting ready to be released. And uh, the addiction problem with Mitchell, God, has has held him down in life. Lord, I ask that you be with Mitchell and even let him hear this too. And help him to have another drug, uh, the other drug of happiness, of you telling us that we are enough, that you will guide our lives and there's a feeling of happiness and peace that comes along with you that is better than any other drug that ever gave us a minute of satisfaction that made us chase more. God, I ask you be with Brian also. Help to guide him as he's gone through his divorce. Help him to to just take this time to be with you and not see this as a burden and a time of love. In your name, amen. Hello, my sweet family. This is Minita. I heard Kyle from Pennsylvania asking for prayer for uh, his his three-year-old daughter, Riley. 
um, down, and she also has Down syndrome, I hear. Um, and um, yeah, surgery will be November, what, 11, I think you said, uh, Kyle. Uh, I want to say a prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, you are so wonderful, and you are merciful, and you are the God of miracles, Father, and we all come together in one agreement, your Father, boldly, your Father, before your throne, your God, in the name of your Son, Jesus, lifting up um, um, rightly, your Father, to your throne, your God. I pray that you put peace, your God, in, in his parent, in, in, in Kyle's um, heart heart and soul, your God, mind, Father, I pray, your God, for that peace that surpasses all understanding. Father, when something we don't understand and we have questions, Father, we hand it out to you, your God, and you, Father God, give us that peace, Lord, that will never die, your God. So I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus for his little girl, Father. I, we pray for a miracle in her life, Father God. Lord, that you guide the surgeons, your Father, every staff, they're going to be taking care for Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. I love you, my brother, and I will continue to pray, okay? P please keep us posted. God bless you. God is strong. God is good. And he does things in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus. Uh, we all believe that. He is merciful, and um, he loves the little children. He even says it in the word, let the little children come to me. So I pray, uh, I constantly will be, be, be praying for you guys. God bless you, a big hug. Love you. Good morning, DAB. This is Romans 12, 2. I wanted to pray this morning for Riley, the three-year-old that's going in for surgery. Father, we just lift up Riley to you in the name of Jesus. I just thank you, O oh God, that you would go before her. You would go before the surgeons, Lord. Father, that you will be the one in the room, Lord. You said you would never leave us nor forsake us. So I stand today with her parents and the other DABers, O oh God. Father, that you would make everything straight, Lord. That, Father, you would make crooked paths straight. That you would complete the healing that has begun in Riley's body in Jesus' name. Father, at three years old, we know the anxiety of the parents and even possibly Riley, Lord. But we lift that up to you, O oh God, and we pray that you calm every fear. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you will do the surgery yourself, O oh God, that you would guide the hands of the surgeons. Lord, we know nothing is impossible for you. And we thank you, O oh God, for the good report. Lord, I also pray for others, O oh God, who are getting different um, medical procedures done, Lord. Father, the worry, the fear, the anxiety, O oh God. Lord, I lay it at your feet, and I pray, O oh God, that the joy of the Lord will be our strength. I pray, O oh God, that you would help us to lay down every weight, Lord. That's what the Word says, that we should lay down every burden and every weight, Lord, that you care for us, that you will carry it. You are the burden bearer, and you are the heavy load sharer. So we thank you today, O oh God, for what you're doing. We thank you, O oh God, that you would give us the grace, Lord, that we will trust you. It all comes down to faith and trusting you. Help us, O oh God, to trust you, O oh God, for the impossible. Help us to trust you for situations and circumstances that we don't see the answer, but you have our best in mind. We thank you and we praise you in the name of your glorious Son, Jesus. Amen. Hello, 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 Daily Audio Bible fam. How are you? Checking in. It's uh, Saturday, November the 4th, 2023. This is 
His Girl Warrior from Alabama, and today I'm grateful for light, specifically the light, the sunlight that was dappling through the really beautiful leaves today as I was hiking. Uh, just, it's amazing the way it reflects so many colors in the leaves this fall, and um, that Jesus is the light of the world. <laughs> And that he shines through us and that he is so gracious to shine through us. And so I'm going to lift up the people who are feeling the darkness. Um, and it seems that the darkness is about to overwhelm them. God, we thank you that you are our bulwark and a standard against the darkness and that your light shines and penetrates all. God, I pray that uh, your word would be a lamp to their feet and a light to their path. God, that um, the word that Brian shares with us, that we would hide that word in our heart, that we may not sin against you. Um, God, I pray for all the people who need to see the light, that you would take the scales off their eyes and that they would see it. And God, thank you for all the ways that you show us um, your light in the world, out in creation. We love you, Jesus. Thank you so much for loving us and pursuing us. Um, oh, great light of the world, just fill us, fill us up. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Bye.